The saga is over. Hunter Dickinson is headed to Lawrence, Kansas, a move I did not see coming. But does it mean that Bill Self's team is once again a national championship threat? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily year-round national college hoop show out there. Happy Cinco de Mayo to all you folks. Have a chip or something good like that. Tortilla chip, I guess I should specify. (laughs) Uh, Man, I'm Isaac Shade. That's my guy, Andy Patton. We're so glad to be with you today. It's rare that you get to see us together later in the week, but when Hunter Dickinson finally commits, we got to start the show that way. Here's what's coming up on the show today. Hunter Dickinson is not headed to Kentucky. What? Yeah, Lance Ware is leaving Kentucky, and Jaden Bradley is headed to the desert and Arizona, so we'll hit that. But first, Andy, we got to talk about Hunter Dickinson heading to Lawrence, Kansas, like two and a half hours that way from me where I sit right now. And so, listen, folks, on Monday, we're going to talk about what this means in terms of what we think about Kansas ranking for Mm -hmm. next year. Um, So we'll get there. But, Andy... Did you see this coming? I did not. Yeah, you know, no, I did not. Short answer, no. Uh, (laughs) Slightly longer answer. It it certainly looked like Kentucky was kind of a a front runner for a while, depending on the Shibwe aspect of it all. Uh, And and I mean, we talked about it. Oscar basically said, like, if you want to go get a guy, go get a guy. Like he wasn't he didn't want to be the person holding this up. And I don't blame him because that's that's not really a part of your reputation that you want. And, And, you know, I think that there's a larger conversation to be had about the difficulty of building a roster when you don't know whether your players are about to leave for the NBA draft or whether they're going to stay. And I know it's impacted programs like Kentucky. I know it impacted Gonzaga. I'm sure it's impacted North Carolina and Duke and other high profile programs like that. But for this situation, it felt like Dickinson was looking for a guaranteed place to play as well as money. The the NIL aspect was absolutely there. And again, I don't blame him for wanting that. And it does sound like Kentucky was giving him this is generally how much money we think you could make coming to this program. And he was looking for a more guaranteed figure. And I know that some people don't like that. They, they kind of rubs people the wrong way in this very new era of college athletics. But at the same time, I don't know anybody who goes and looks for a new job without getting a guarantee for how much money they're going to make. So there's uh-huh. a moment of that that I think that makes some sense. Um, still, I thought Villanova seemed like they took over as the front runner briefly. And then suddenly he goes to Kansas and he's going to you know partner with KJ Adams in the front court there with Bill Self. I think it's a really nice fit for him. Dewan Harris is one of the best young point guards in the country, a guy who distributes the ball as well as anybody. And I think, you know, you add in an elite point guard like that, a high profile big like Dickinson, uh, you add in a shooter like Nick Timberlake, and suddenly you kind of have the pieces that that make this look like a really, really strong starting five. And if the depth is there for this team, if somebody like Arterio Morris steps up in his first year there, boy, this this could be a really fun year for Bill Self and the Jayhawks. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, good, Dwan Harris is finally heading to the bench. Oh, Arterio <laughs> Morris is coming in. Cool. <laughs> right. And then let's not forget about the the four-person freshman class of El Marco mm-hmm. Jackson, yeah. another stud five-star yeah. point guard, Chris Johnson, Marcus Adams Jr., a small forward. Yeah. Mc- I mean, it's just this team is insane, Andy, and I, mm-hmm. I absolutely think they're right in that national championship mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. The the question, I mean, you've kind of begun to open it up, but let's have a little bit of a conversation about roster. Still waiting to hear on if Kevin McCuller will come back. He is mm-hmm. in the draft right now. Uh, we know that 
Jalen Wilson is gone. We know that Grady Dick is gone. By the way, if you didn't hear Andy and Leaf's conversation yeah. about uh, Grady Dick earlier in the week, make sure you go back and check that out. And so, um, you know, like Andy, as you look at it, what what is Dickinson's fit with this roster? Yeah, I think uh, he immediately stands out as the the player is going to get the ball the most, which is not a surprise. He wasn't going to go anywhere where he wasn't going to be the primary source of offense. No, and of you know, not. why wouldn't he? he average eighteen plus points per game in each of the last two years at Michigan? So he's a guy who has earned that respect. And and again, I think the the traditional back to the basket big or a big you can get the ball in their hands and and kind of operate through them is something we're seeing a lot. In college basketball, Drew Timmy at Gonzaga was, of course, a big example. It's a little bit different in North Carolina because of the guard play, but Armando Baycott's a player you can kind of do similar stuff like that with. Oscar Shibway, of course, another player like that. So I think for Kansas, Bill Self loves his back-to-the-basket bigs. He loves guys that he can kind of get the ball to and let the offense flow through them. I think there are good opportunities for two-man games with him and Nick Timberlake, uh, where you know you give the ball to Dickinson. If they double him, then he kicks it out. Timberlake's got an open look. If he doesn't, if they don't double him, good luck stopping him on the block. Even in the Big 12, I think Dickinson's going to get plenty of buckets if he's not being double teamed. So I think I envision it a little bit more like that. I think if Bill Self is is smart and he sure as heck is based on his career up to this point, I think you'll see a lot of Dickinson being a bit more of a facilitator when it when it's called for, depending on how the defense plays him. That was something we saw UConn do exceptionally well with Adama Sonogo, especially in the NCAA tournament of, hey, these teams are going to try to stop him from scoring, so let's let them and let's let him distribute the ball and find other players. And Kansas has the playmakers around Dickinson to kind of make that kind of offense work. And I think that they'll react a little bit to how they're getting played. But if teams are trying to swarm Dickinson and stopping him from scoring, he is more than capable of distributing the ball and letting other players do that work for him. And if self can get that kind of buy-in from the rest of the team, I think you can see a really, really well-oiled machine on offense for Kansas. Man. Yeah. And, and you talked about uh, earlier in that, like he's Mm -hmm. earned his respect with, with Mm -hmm. what he's done, but you, you do have to, I'm curious to see what the national perception is to this is going to be because I kind of joked in the cold open, but it really has been a saga. And I wouldn't, I would say a lot of times, not necessarily in a good way. Mm -hmm. It's been strung out. There's been all the things with tool guys and, Mm -hmm. and all that. And, and it just is like, I don't, it makes me feel a little icky. Andy, if I'm being honest with you, do you, I mean, do you feel any of that? Yeah, it's it's a tough balance for me because I think that players having more autonomy over where they go and where they play yes. and how much yes. money they make is objectively a good thing. I know you agree with that, and I know that's not necessarily what we're nitpicking, but I do think that entering it's the, the portal, mode, it's how yeah, it's happened. Yeah, entering the portal, making it pretty clear that you're you're looking, you know, that you're going to drag this out a little bit and kind of making teases and hints and, and changing your list rather suddenly. And, and I mean, Dickinson's not been afraid to be controversial. I mean, he, he entered the portal and Maryland came up, but there was all this controversy because he basically already trashed the previous coaching staff for not recruiting him out of high school. He enjoys being the villain. He enjoys playing that role. He chose to enter the portal as soon as the season ended. I don't know if he knew at the time that he wasn't going to commit until May 4th. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. His, his recent quotes on the round ball podcast basically said, I'm tired of this. It's exhausting. And it was like, dude, like <laughs> you, you can make the decision. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I know that there was probably some waiting on some financial figures and various other things that were kind of going on behind the scenes. But yeah, I do think that him, 
garnering a lot of media attention and kind of choosing to put himself in those conversations and make the media talk about him and drive attention to his podcast definitely rubs some people the wrong way. I don't think he did anything like super malicious. It's not, it's not horrible what he did. He just, you know, but it, yeah, I, I think that he, he's embracing the villain role. He's willing to lean into that. And part of that is pissing off people. And I think that's kind of what happened here. And I'm sure there are some fan bases, particularly in Villanova and in Lexington, Kentucky, who are not particularly happy with them. And, and I don't think that bothers them all that much. No, I, I would say not. Well, another interesting angle, and we won't get into it right now, but just something that we're going to need to keep our eyes on is mm-hmm. uh, it had seemed to me that Kansas might be a, a pretty strong contender for landing McKenzie and Baco yeah. services after he decommitted from Duke. Does this play a factor now that Dickinson's there? I know they're not the same position, mm-hmm. um, but it, it is just something to be aware of. So we'll yeah. keep our, our eyes on that as we go. Now, with Hunter Dickinson going to Kansas, uh, that by nature means that he's not going to Kentucky. I don't know if you know that, Andy. He, <laughs> you can only go to one spot. Uh, and so what we need to do is talk with the host of Locked On Kentucky, Mr. Lance Dodd, to figure out what this means for Kentucky's front court as they continue to wait on Oscar Shibwe's decision. We'll do that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by our friends at Built. Are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you got to try the best tasting protein bar ever. If you're like me and you want healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I got just the thing for you. Built bars and built puffs which are healthy and taste amazing now why are they so good well for starters they're covered in 100 real dark chocolate and they come in these unbelievable flavors like churro or peanut butter brownie yeah and all the while not sure how built does it but they maintain healthy amazing macros at the same time just 130 calories four grams of sugar but yet 17 grams of protein Perhaps best of all is now you don't have to wait around from Built.com to get a box. You can head on down to Walmart to get like a four-count box of cookies and cream. Or you got a big old family. Maybe Hunter Dickinson wants to make his new teammates happy. So he goes to Sam's Club and gets that 13-count variety pack at Sam's Club. Whatever your taste, you can find it with Built Bar. A proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. Well, the Hunter Dickinson train keeps on going. We turn our attention now from where he is going to a place that I thought he was going, but he is not. We are joined by the host of Locked on Kentucky, friend of the program. Lance, you might be our most cons- one of our most consistent hosts on the show. Makes sense. Mr. Lance Daw at Lance Daw underscore. Don't forget that underscore on his Twitter handle. The host of Locked on Kentucky. And Lance, here's where I want to start with the Hunter Dickinson stuff. I just assumed that it was almost a foregone conclusion that he would wind up in Lexington, just like kind of how he presents himself, how coach Cal presents himself. It just seemed to make sense to me. And then, nope, we're heading off to Kansas. Lance, did you see this coming? I'm not going to lie to you, Isaac. I was not surprised when the news was broken, but I was a little disappointed since he (laughs) entered the transfer portal. I mean, literally minutes after it was announced, several people were were on social media saying Kentucky is a name to look at here. Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky. If I'm not mistaken, I came on the show and talked about it, if if I'm not mistaken. So Hunter Dickinson from the jump was was looking at Kentucky as a as a place to potentially go and. 
I thought from the beginning that Kentucky was at the very least a strong player in this race about two weeks into it. I believe I put out an episode literally titled Hunter Dickinson's not going to Kentucky uh, because <laughs> I realized uh, based on what I was reading about other places that were pursuing him, Kentucky was not willing to put out the money to mm. get this kid. And I understand that there is sort of an, an, an alert, an attraction to coming to play for Kentucky, and there's definitely benefits that come with that. So maybe money is not the biggest priority in, in the Wildcat sales pitch to a transfer portal kid. Um, but at the same time, I mean, like if, if it's money that kids are looking for and it's money that you're going to get for different transfer portal players, Kentucky, you know, they're going to miss out on certain people. On top of this, I was having a really hard time sitting there just watching days go by with Dickinson in the portal with Oscar Shibway kind of sitting with the like you, you and I talked about with the roster in limbo where it was just like, okay, if he's not going to come back and he's going to hold out until the deadline, that puts Kentucky in a weird spot because they may not pursue players as heavily as they would if he was just going to the draft and we knew he was staying in. I even said that on yesterday's episode talking about where it's like if Shibway, I want him to make a decision sooner rather than later. He's not going to, but that's just the reality of the situation is Kentucky is just in a tight spot with some transfer portal kids. So I think it was the fact that Kentucky wasn't going to pay him enough. I think it was the fact that he right now is just kind of concerned about what Kentucky may want to do with Shibway. And then on top of all of this, I think that in terms of scheme, fit in in terms of impact i said i did an episode going through pros and cons of what shibway and dickinson bring to the table mm. at the end of that segment there on that episode i just came to the conclusion that both these guys do things very well some of them are different some of them are the same at the end of the day when you plug them into this year's roster this year's team i don't know if one of them holds a significant impact over the other both of them are very good players in their own right. But when it comes to this team and what they want to do with these other players on roster, all of these talented freshmen, I thought maybe Kentucky has just kind of a choice here to make. And one or the other, it doesn't really matter. I said that, continue to say, I think Kentucky's going to be okay regardless of what happens here. And then we saw the whole... We don't have to dive into it. The whole thing with Barstool <laughs> and I came out on, on my most recent episode and said in, in, in gentle terms, and I, and I, I think I'm, I'll just repeat what I said, based on his affiliation with the people that he was doing that show with, it gives you an indication as to what type of person you're bringing into Lexington to be the veteran fourth year, fifth year player that will be essentially in some ways, another coach to these five freshmen that are coming in that are going to be significantly impactful. Is that what you want in your locker room? Is that what you want leading your program? Is that what you want impacting the guys that you have brought in to make a push for a national title this upcoming season? And I said, compared to Shibwe, I think the answer is very clear. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that anybody's a bad person. I'm not saying that it was it was it was a, it was a, a terrible decision by him. I don't like how some of it was marketed. I don't like some of the ways that other people around him handle themselves in the situation. All I'm saying is compared to a guy that has been in the program for two and a half years, that understands the landscape, that has been alongside some of these players, that has been a positive uh, positive person in the locker room. 
Oscar Shibway was going to be, or if he decides to return, is going to be Kentucky's best option that they have in terms of character, in terms of culture fit, in terms of leadership and maturity, full stop. There's nobody else out there that's going to beat him in that department. So that's that's kind of where I land on it, uh, Isaac, is am I surprised by this? Sort of, that it, because of the way that I felt towards the end of his recruitment, um, but it, it, there are so many things that kind of once you stack them up and look at them, it's like, okay, not only is this not that big of a shock, but at the same time, it's not the end of the world, at least if some things go right. Yeah, and Lance, like, I, I'm right with you on the, the barstool stuff has given me pause. Clearly, Oscar is the type of young man that you want influencing your other incoming young men. And so in, in terms of all of those kind of things, I'm with you. No brainer. Oscar Shibway every day of the week and twice on Sundays or whatever phrase that is over Hunter Dickinson. Uh, and to that point, I, I'm kind of surprised that, that Bill Self is welcoming him, welcoming him in mm-hmm. at, in Lawrence, Kansas. Now, that that brings the question. Quickly, you know, we, we can hit this because we got another thing we need to talk about in Kentucky news. Um, but where do you turn next? Do you continue, if you're John Calipari, to wait on Oscar Sheway? Do you look at someone like Grant Nelson from North Dakota State who came in the portal earlier this week and who we've heard Kentucky has um, contacted or, or is interested in? Or, I mean, I know you talked about that incoming freshman class. You know, there's some help there for the front yep. court as well. Where do you turn for the front court, if you're Coach Cal. So I have discussed the rotation, the starting lineup, individual players. I mean, we're going to continue to talk about it throughout the summer, but I've talked about what this rotation could look like a um, uh, hundred times since the clocks went zero against Kansas <laughs> State in the round of 32. And it has been my consistent opinion that regardless of whether or not Oscar Shibway comes back for Kentucky or not, they need to get a transfer power forward or they need to get a transfer stretch Five type of guy they need somebody else back there because Aaron Bradshaw as a freshman look he's I think he's going to be great at that four spot Cal said it again today actually that he's going to play the four for Kentucky he's going to be great there Uganda Nienzo is going to be a great defensive player for you but the problem with it is Isaac is that they're raw they're inexperienced they That's need right. another player in that in that rotation to come in and give experienced valuable minutes Sheway can be one of them absolutely I think if you get one more, that is an extremely solid front court. So, yes, I think that Kentucky right now needs to be looking in the transfer portal. Like you mentioned, Grant Nelson is an excellent option uh, out of North Dakota, Dakota State. I think I don't know if necessarily if, if it would be the best fit or if Kentucky's going to reach out to him, but you talk about really tall guys that can shoot. Connor Vanover, uh, transfer from Oral Roberts previously at Arkansas and Cal. He's somebody that I've talked about recently on the show. There are a couple of other players in the portal right now. Musa Cisse is a former high recruit from Oklahoma State. I don't know if Kentucky's reached out to him, but he would be another guy that would fit, I think, this roster very well, especially if Shibway doesn't come back. So there are players right now in the transfer portal that Kentucky could absolutely be looking at and should be looking at. And like you mentioned, some of them they are looking at right now. But are they pursuing them as heavily as they could be knowing that Shibwe could maybe come back. That's kind of what I've been discussing about on the show. And at this point, honestly, Isaac, I think I'm probably going to, I mean, tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk about Grant Nelson on Locked On Kentucky. But in the future, I'm probably going to be discussing as portal prospects for the Wildcats, if they get any, 
uh, is a potential backup power forward. Now also, pause, that's if Chris Livingston doesn't come back and, and, and we're just kind of kind of stuck here and let Antonio Reeves can come back if Chris Livingston comes back then you don't if you if they both come back you slide Livingston down to the four you let Bradshaw back him up you let Livingston if he if Reeves doesn't come back he's the backup three if Reeves comes back he's the backup three and that's it he's not going down to the four so like there are so many different things that could still happen with this roster Isaac that we're just kind of sitting and waiting and wishing but it does not change the fact that yes Kentucky needs to look into the portal and part of the issue is, I mean, we're still, as we sit here on Cinco de Mayo, we're still just shy of a month away mm-hmm. from the uh, early entry, like coming back to school deadline, ten, which falls 10 days after the combine. So, I mean, we still could be a month away from uh, the, the Kentucky staff really fully knowing what they have or don't have. Now you enter into the mix another wrinkle because on Thursday we learned of Lance Ware's intention to enter the transfer portal as well, which further complicates that front court mix. Now, Lance, when you look at that, what what else does this do to cause confusion to Kentucky's rotation? Well, for starters, what Lance Ware brought to this program was energy and excitement and passion uh, off the bench in terms of what Cal even said on Twitter is Kentucky lost a leader. Um, they lost somebody that had some veteran presence and then had a little bit of charisma to them as well. Um, he was to this Kentucky rotation what I think Oscar Shibway could be uh, in, I think, in larger terms, which is just somebody that people rely on and look to as, as an older guy. And uh, props to Lance Ware uh, for, I think, making what I feel like is the right decision for him, especially if Shibway comes back. Former five-star guy should not be sitting on the bench somewhere for three seasons in a row. He needs to go somewhere and he needs to get playing time because he's a good player. Uh, he's a hardworking player. Um, for Kentucky, though, it doesn't for, – for, for and I talked about this recently – for where and, and for me, it's not a confusing thing. I think it more clears up the direction that Kentucky wants to go in because as you and I are sitting here talking about, well, there's this, there's this player, there's that player, there's this player, there's that player. <laughs> now that we've gotten one out of the equation, it starts to make things a little bit more clear. It's like, okay, then we don't have to talk about this as a factor. We know he's gone. Now we focus more attention on the fact like, okay, Oscar Shibwe, is he coming or is he going to stay in the NBA draft? And so right now, the Wildcats, I think, are starting to put together the puzzle, uh, at least this coaching staff is, and maybe it helps them make better decisions as to what they want to do in the portal. So I thought Lance Ware moving uh, away from Kentucky, you know, I really do hope he finds a lot of success wherever he goes. I'll be rooting very hard for him, um, but it was probably the best decision for him and honestly probably the best decision for Kentucky as well. All right, we will obviously continue to keep our eyes on the Kentucky player personnel carousel going on up through uh, the deadline coming up in June. Lance, as always, so great to have you on. So so great to be able to talk about all of this front court action. Folks, coming up next, Jaden Bradley has committed to Arizona. The Wildcats missed out on Mr. Nemhard, but they did get their guy in the backcourt. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Well, that's enough Hunter Dickinson talk for one day. Let's move on now to Jaden Bradley. Listen, Arizona missed out on their Kerr Creaser replacement a couple weeks ago when Ryan Nemhard decided to commit to Gonzaga back on April 21st. I was on record as saying I thought this was going to be kind of another no-brainer, like I said earlier, that I thought Hunter Dickinson would wind up at Kentucky. But Ryan Nemhard followed his brother's path 
wound up at Gonzaga and Arizona was still looking for who their guy was. Now, obviously they do still have Kylan Boswell, uh, who was coming back for his sophomore year, but they have added a major backcourt helper in Jaden Bradley transferring from Alabama, who what happened earlier this week. He also has just finished his freshman year. And so that means that for Arizona, they potentially have their backcourt of the next couple of years when you combine Kylan Boswell and Jaden Bradley. This is great news. So last year for Bradley, let's look at what he did at Alabama, and then we'll talk about what this looks like for Arizona played in 37 of Alabama's games started 22 of them. We'll we'll talk about that in a second, but played 19.8 minutes, scored 6.4 points, 2.6 rebounds, 3.1 assists, shot 31.8% from three. Um, You'd like to see a little bit better than that, but hopefully you see a sophomore bump in that. Uh, The really kind of, number that I look at is just 69.5% from the free throw line. Needs a major jump in that, does Mr. Bradley. However, he made the All-SEC freshman team. That's great news. You love to see it, and you expect major growth as he heads out west. Now, I mentioned about his games started and games played, and here's what was really interesting. Kind of went through, um, came off the bench his first nine games of the season was backing up Namari Burnett. And then uh, like kind of mid December-ish, Burnett had an injury. And so at that point, Jaden Bradley started starting, (laughs) started starting and did so for the next 22 games. In fact, that was the rest of the regular season. And, but then once we got to the SEC tournament uh, and we, we talked a good deal about this. I, I in fact thought it was something that was going to help Alabama in a major way they just ended up losing but um, Bradley kind of pulled himself and and just talked about Javon Quinterly being deserving of that starting role and so Quinterly moved in and then once again Bradley was coming off the bench for the SEC tournament and the three NCAA tournament games and so all of that said Bradley decides to transfer and has landed at Arizona I think personally, and I'd love your thoughts on it if you are checking in with us, I think he's a great fit for this Wildcats program who under Tommy Lloyd is just going offense, offense, offense. Why? Let me give you three things that I think he does really well. He runs the offense well. He moves the ball really well. And thirdly, he has great court vision. These are the kind of things I want in a player like this. When you've got multiple other offensive weapons around, let him go to work. I love this quote from his commitment. Arizona recruited me the first time around, meaning out of high school. I'm familiar with their staff and fast-paced style of play. They run, they guard, and move the ball. Hmm? Remember what I just said? Coach Lloyd is an upbeat and energetic guy who is heavy on player development. He is on the court with his guys outside of practice. Now, uh, you you can kind of read some things into that. What it says about who Coach Lloyd is that maybe he didn't have at his previous stop. Not saying that that's what he definitely is saying, but a lot of times we can read something into that. Now, All those qualities are going to be great for Tommy Lloyd's dynamic offense. So the bottom line for me, I love 
this dynamic backcourt combo of Boswell and now Bradley coming in. They're both capable ball handlers, but they they are kind of two different guards. And, and I love that. I think it gives them um, some, some differentiation as a team. And so you've got... Like I kind of almost look at it like the the thunder and lightning of that USC team with uh, Reggie Bush and Lendale White, where you just had Reggie, the quick lightning style guy, and that's Kylan Boswell, right? He's the the shifty dude, and then you had the thunder, the pounding, the north and south game of Lendale White, and that is more Bradley's game, the north and south thing. So you take those two guys, you add Pella Larson into the mix. Uh, you know, our guy Andy is big on him. And uh, maybe maybe we were just a year too early on him. But you look at those three, that kind of backcourt, the one, two, three of these guys, that's a, whoo, that is an impressive um, one through three that I don't know that anyone else in the Pac-12 is going to be able to match next year. And then you think who you pair them with in terms of front court. Obviously, you got Umar Balo still. Can you imagine if Azulis Tabellis had stayed? And I mean, technically, he could probably still come back. But man, this Tommy Lloyd offense is going to keep right on rolling. Two years ago, 84 points a game. Last year, 81.9 points a game. That's the most they had averaged as an offense since 03-04 when they had 87.1 a game. So, how does it play out, all of this, for the, Tommy Lloyd's third year at Arizona? I know they missed out on Nemhard, but I think this is a great get for them with Mr. Jaden Bradley, and so excited to see how it plays out. We'll find out in a few months. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked On College Basketball, and this entire week. We'll be right back with you Monday. Andy and I are going to look at what the Hunter Dickinson transfer means for Kansas in terms of their ranking. Are they ascending to number one preseason? We're going to have to debate that. Please go leave us a review on iTunes, five stars, some great comments there. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show, smash the like button, and comment. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Go Wildcats, and until Monday, peace. Peace.